Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our inaugural episode. This would be episode one. Uh, You may be asking yourself, what is church and state? And we'll unpack that in just a moment. But first, let me introduce my co-host and partner in this enterprise, my wife, the lovely, the spirited, the principled Jessica. Hello. Uh, We never saw ourselves starting a podcast. Is that fair to say, Jess? Definitely. Uh, And we listen to them all the time. We're consumers of podcasts. We love to uh, read and listen to and watch the news. Mm, I don't know if I love the news. I can only take so much before (laughs) I need a break. All right. But uh, we are trying to stay up to date and informed. Always, yes. On what's happening in the state. Fair Mm -hmm. to say? Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. So Rhode Island's uh, going to be the predominant focus of this podcast. Right. So we'll be uh, keeping our focus on Rhode Island issues, not national politics, because Frankly, they it gets plenty of attention. They have plenty of pundits for it. And mm. um, so we'll be focusing on Rhode Island because there really is a need um, to know what's happening in our state and what's happening at the state house, mm-hmm. um, but also what's happening in our local communities. Yeah, I think one thing that the pandemic of 2020, 2021 has showed us is who you voted for, for mayor or for governor, even school committee, uh, it mm, matters. Yeah. Even though most people are kind of consumed with who our president is and maybe who our senator or or uh, uh, congressional delegation is, it really does matter because the you can see the different responses to the pandemic and uh, the, the way that they would communicate, communicate to the public and mm-hmm. some of the policies that were, yeah. uh, that were laid out, uh, all of that had some, um, it affected every one of us, you know, whether businesses or churches, uh, what's being taught in schools. Mm-hmm. So school committee, uh, all of those issues, I think all of those positions matter. I think, uh, absolutely 100% true there. Uh, for me, it started when I was, when I, we had our first child I was like, Oh my goodness, school committee, like who's on there? What do they believe? Mm-hmm. You know, what are they, mm-hmm. um, you know, allowing to be taught in our schools? So, and just this week I had three people reach out to me about What can I do? Like, how can I get involved? And, um, you know, uh, like I was saying, we're going to be focusing on Rhode Island. And I tell people, those three people that called me this week, we're so focused on national politics, but we really need to shift our focus because all politics is local. Right. And we need to focus on Rhode Island and have that change move upward. Right. Right. That's good. I mean, you and I probably won't be able to change who our president is. Like <laughs> right. we, we can't steer that um, that ship. That, yes. That's something just well beyond mm-hmm. any influence that we could have, especially in in a state that's as blue as Rhode Island. Right. Um, typically, it's you, you're probably just throwing your vote away uh, when it comes to who your president is. But who your uh, town council members are, mm-hmm. and who your general school committee assembly, member, Senator. yeah, general assembly, yeah. yeah, I think all that matters. So, uh, so let me, in case people don't know, let me uh, introduce who you are. In addition to to being my wife and an incredible mother to our three boys, uh, you are a sitting state senator, 
you have just won your second term, right? You're entering yes. into your second term and you've vanquished your opponent. Congratulations again <laughs> on, on that victory. Uh, you, uh, it's certainly well-deserved. I know you worked very, very hard for it. Yes. Did a lot of, uh, uh, hitting the pavement, knocking on doors, even with the pandemic and having to deal with all of the, the obstacles and difficulties of that. But, uh, you've done a great job and I think you've represented your district very well. I've heard an oh. amazing things from people who, who see, uh, who see what you're doing, even though you don't talk about most of it. So. So again, good job. Thank you. Now you represent District 23, mm -hmm. uh, which is Boroughville, Gloucester, and a portion of North Smithfield, correct? Good job. Gold star. Hey, and which um, which one is your favorite? My favorite. Oh, First hardball. Is that a hardball question? <laughs> We're trying to trip you we up. We have it's three boys for, for our listeners. We have three boys. And those of you who are parents know there's no such thing as a favorite child, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe there is, I but- mean, wink wink no of course not <laughs> no we love them all equally. and i have three towns i represent and i love them mm -hmm. all equally that's great but they're all different they have so true they yes. really are it's like have great different really strengths is, they're different and right. uh but i really do i love this part of the state yeah. uh we moved out here because we love the green space we mm -hmm. love um the community the, the schools yeah the schools right. the and people Definitely. The, the lower taxes. The lower taxes for right. sure. Mm -hmm. um, so we just, uh, I, I couldn't ask for a better community to represent. They right. really are right. great people. Now it's District 23. So how many districts are there all together in the state? There are 38 and senators, each, 38 districts. Right. So mm -hmm. each district has a, a state senator representing them. Correct. And uh, out of those 38, how many are Republicans? A whopping five. Five. Yes. Five out of 38. So that's exactly. not even a minority. That's a super minority. Fair to say? Definitely. That's incredible. Five. You could fit them in our bathroom. That's yeah. tiny. But I would like to just point out, this will be a podcast for a different day, but we should have more Republicans up there. Hmm. But because of the way our state is gerrymandered, we don't have more Republicans. You're talking at the State House. about the shape of these districts. Yeah. So when we draw out the district lines, mm -hmm. because we are in the super minority, we have less of a voice when it comes to drawing those lines. Mm. Um, so the sitting senators get to help in the process of what parts of the state they want. So they may choose a more blue part. And, you know, if I were to show you a map, you guys would be like, what? This makes no sense, you yeah, know, yeah. the way they're shaped. So this way that it's done is so it's to benefit. Right. Right. The Democrat Party. I loved your idea. You you said once, what if we, uh, what if every city and town had a s state senator? Yeah. Instead of, you know, Boroughville, Gloucester and North Smithfield having to share you what if Boroughville had its own state senator yeah. really advocating for the town and then North Smithfield had its state center and but of course that would mean that Providence would only have one and, and of yeah. course for you and I we'd say well that might actually be a good thing but for a lot of other people uh especially those in in the cities they they know that that would mean they are underrepresented yeah so the reason behind that is because if we look at the state senate um, excuse me, the U.S. Senate. Rhode Island gets two senators. California gets two senators. Mm -hmm. And that's unfair. Right. But it's meant to bring balance between the House and the Senate. So 
in the house, it's by how, how many people you have populating right. your state. Right. So I thought, well, if it's good for the the federal government, yeah. why not emulate that and right. do that for state government where each town in the Senate is represented by one senator. So they all have equal representation. But in the House of Reps, it would be by um, population. By population. Right. So you get both benefits. Right. right. But apparently that is unconstitutional, even though that's the way our federal government is set up. So I don't understand and I'm not a lawyer, but I can understand how that's unconstitutional. But apparently we can't do that as right. a state. Unless we amend the state constitution, which maybe, well, maybe, you know maybe there's a future episode we could. I would love a future episode on that. All right. Yeah. Now, I know that's something you feel very strongly about because you are looking to make sure Rhode Island cities and towns, the taxpayers, all of the citizens are being represented. Right mm -hmm. now, it feels like all of the citizens are being represented, but there are cities and towns that are uh, underrepresented. Yeah. And like the issues that um, that uh, like a community like Boroughville is facing is not necessarily being heard. Fair to say? Fair, okay. definitely. And uh, congratulations again, because not only were you reelected by your constituents, I think by 66%, mm. which is pretty cool. Thank you. Uh, but your your caucus, the five senators, uh, five Republican senators in the General Assembly's um, Senate, agreed to uh, to nominate and chose you to be their minority whip. And uh, yeah. what what is the whip? What does the whip do? Because I get a picture of Indiana Jones with <laughs> yeah. your face on it, and I can just picture you swinging across a, like a cavern or a, a, what is that? A cliff or something? Or <laughs> whipping Nazis? Yeah. But uh, what does the minority whip do? Well, it's not like that at all. Uh, but it's funny because I was just talking to a fellow legislator who someone posed the question to him, like, what is that? Like, what do you do? Um, essentially, it is you whip the votes. But um, that will prob that is definitely true, I would say, of Democrats uh, and their caucus. But as Republicans in our small little caucus, we don't um, necessarily whip the votes. We, uh, at least for me, I would try to use logic and reason and having a conversation with someone showing them the merit of my argument in order to bring them along inst instead of saying well this is how you're going to vote because this is how the party votes you mm -hmm. know what i mean um so but the whip really that that's their role is to whip the votes okay so no physical whip no physical you violence should get a whip <laughs> come on leave in the comments if you're if you're if you agree with me she should get a whip I, I really would love to see you. With oh, it. you know what? I'll frame it and put it over my desk. Yep. There you go. That's awesome. All right. Uh, so so that's you. And again, congratulations on uh, on doing this. But before um, we move on, why did you want to do this podcast? Well, I feel like there just aren't really enough conservative voices um, in the media. You know, we, we, we have podcasts, um, dedicated to various topics and I just don't see really a conservative voice and I didn't want to do it by myself, but I did see the need. And so I'm so glad that when I talked to you, you're like, oh my gosh, I was thinking of a podcast, but you were kind of going a different way. And mm -hmm. I was, yeah, I wanted to do more from a religious point of view, right. talk about the church and stuff or, um, talk about the Bible or even just reading the, the scriptures. But you were thinking like, Let's let's see if we can kind of talk about the state of Rhode exactly. Island. Let's right, not right. do national politics. Mm -hmm. Let's do state of Rhode Island. And uh, we're we're having a conversation at night before bed. And then the idea church and state always happens. I love pillow talk. <laughs> it's the best. And so um, 
I just thought it was the best thing because uh, I'm not saying this to be, you know, the girly cliche. He's my best friend. But you really are my best friend. We've been together for well over 20 years if you count uh, our dating, uh, years of dating. So um, it just felt like a natural fit. Like church and state, let's do this. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited. Me too. And uh, I hope that uh, everyone listening enjoys our, our um, podcast. So moving right along. Uh, since David introduced me, I will introduce him. Um, as I said, he's not only my best friend, he is, um, uh, my, my confidant. Uh, he's my personal scholar. I like to call him my scholar around the house and he kind of like furrows his brow at that. I'm not a scholar, but he is just, uh, probably I would say, well, not probably he's the smartest guy I know. Maybe uh, I need to meet more people. Wow. Yeah, you definitely need to <laughs> no, meet more No, no, no. Just kidding. And that says a lot because uh, I meet a lot of people there at the State House. Um, you joke around your human encyclopedia when it comes to things like history and church history. For our younger audience, <laughs> an encyclopedia, just picture Wikipedia <laughs> as a book. You open it. I used to have one a long time ago as a kid. I, I wasn't able to go online open a laptop open my phone let's just also say that there's a big difference between wikipedia where you have joe schmo just right and britannica right and actual scholars by these yes so uh but yes very similar um and david you have been a pastor at awakening church for the past five years um but you have been serving um, the church and really the people of God for 20 years, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a church brat, so I grew up in the church. My mom dragged me to every prayer meeting, every Bible study, every service. She even dropped you off to shovel snow. Yeah. Anytime it snowed, she just, you know, I've got three boys, I've got two boys. They, they, they're young and able-bodied. So yeah, we, we spent all of our time in the church and that was something my mom really ingrained in me is to, uh, to give back, um, you know, God loves it when we help other people, serve other people. And um, as as soon as I could, I started teaching Sunday school classes, teaching kids. Mm -hmm. uh, spent most of my years in the church working with youth and young adults. And uh, in more recent years, I've been really uh, teaching and uh, ministering and pastoring the adult population in the church and the young adults. Hmm. But before you even became a pastor, um, you were a teacher. So right. you were teaching for about 15 years and you started with grade five and then you oh, ended up was, teaching at Brown and so yeah, on and so forth. Those were rough, that was a rough time. Tell I, me about those two. Yeah. So I, I went to school to be a teacher and really just thought I'd be a middle school or high school teacher for the rest of my life because I, I loved seeing that light bulb go off mm. over a student's head when they finally got it. And I loved that. And I remember how, how, um, uh, uh, how important and influential my own teachers were, you know, those that really were able to, to give me a, a new way of looking at the world, uh, understanding a different argument, a different perspective, understanding how uh, our government works mm. or history or whatever it might be. I, I love that. And I thought if I could do that for a young person, that would just be so rewarding. So I got to interrupt here. Yeah. And I think that, uh, it is for you it is very rewarding to teach but as your wife 
I would have people come up to me either like they saw me at church or even at the state house. There's a young lady there that works there. Those like Mr. Delacruz is my teacher. And um, one mom telling me how her son was going to drop out of high school if it were not for you. Wow. You um, just, I don't know, ignited this this passion or um, that you just understood the way in which he was able to um, uh receive information and it changed his life and really she was so appreciative that she came up to me to tell me and i was like so touched and so why like, didn't she tell me that i don't know maybe no, she thought I, i'd tell you i uh you know it, it comes down to recognizing the different learning styles mm -hmm. and once you can find that like how does this person learn uh for me i i, I just can't listen like listening is one way of learning but uh, for me if i can see it and i can see it mapped out or put on a board or um, you know, a flow chart or something that mm -hmm. just helps me, you know, kind of that kind of organizing thoughts and, and seeing that play out on a board um, or visually. That's how I learn. So yeah. once you're able to do that and inspire and make it meaningful to, to a young person, it uh, it helps. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So um, things that I think I would love to cover here in this podcast will be obviously, as I said, matters concerning uh, the state of Rhode Island. Um, and really my district, because um, just like the state is very unique to the country, our districts are very unique within the state. Um, pending legislation, things like um, your pocketbook, how the, the legislation will impact the state and towns. Um, you know, we were just, I was just in education committee, not, it's not my committee, but I was listening to it and I testified uh, about parents that were really concerned that the state was going to place a moratorium on the expansion of charter schools. Right. And we had people testify in Spanish. I mean, like if you feel so strongly mm -hmm. and you can't speak the language, you feel so strongly that you are compelled to call into committee because we can't be face to face because of COVID, um, really to express, you know, the need for the expansion of charter schools because they've been, such um like a positive change for the state and for students there was a, you said there was a uh there was an 11 year old but wasn't there a parent that said that there uh was really compelling testimony i think three that being in a charter school raised that student what like three grade levels three grade levels i couldn't believe that she was behind in math three grade levels wow and the public school wasn't able to help the student they said no no you know she doesn't qualify right for um you know for uh what is it called a iep mm -hmm. and student went to a charter school the charter school didn't take no for an answer and they you know made it happen they made it happen wow. she she went at three grade levels that's amazing and um you know, I'm I'm not I'm not knocking the public schools because, right, right. you know. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, there are some great teachers, and my my sons have great teachers. But mm -hmm. like you said, every student is different, and they learn differently. Right. Um, so charter schools have been really saving grace for some of these kids. And it seems like there's a need for it. You know, we we've, we've seen these studies coming out, these reports about Providence's and some of the other communities mm -hmm. in Rhode Island that are just yeah. not meeting the needs of these students so hopefully we'll be able to dedicate more episodes in the yeah future to this. so i'll move along it's yeah. uh it's just our introductory podcast so sure mm -hmm. um and uh so it, 
we've got matters concerning the state of Rhode Island. Uh, we should also uh, talk about the inside inside scoop at the General Assembly, like how a bill actually gets to the floor. Mm-hmm. People may be, you know, uh, surprised to to find out how the process yeah, works. Yeah, when you told me that, man, I I mean, I always taught my students textbook civics. This is how a bill is made. You know, herding committee, <laughs> voted on on the floor, goes to the chamber, governor signs it. Yeah, but. Uh, that is not necessarily representative, even yeah. though it might be that way on paper. It's not actually how how bills become law. So for those of you who episode. know what Schoolhouse Rock, yeah, yeah, that's not how a bill gets made. I wish I could make a Rhode Island version um, of Schoolhouse Rock. Maybe but, maybe at the federal level, but it just doesn't work in Rhode Island. Yeah, unfortunately, well, that's because we're so lopsided. You know, eighty mm. years of rule of one party. Mm-hmm. Um, you can we'll we'll get into that sure. in another po- yeah. podcast yeah. but um so yeah and then uh, i think we need to talk about all things related to campaigning on one of the mm. podcasts because right. you know what does it take to run a successful campaign how much do you need to raise how do you raise money um and what supports do you need in place those are going to be all um i mean those are all questions that i had to to grapple with when I decided to run for office and they're scary questions. And then you wonder if you can do it or not. And I'm going to tell you, I am regular Joe Schmo, just like everybody else. And if I can do it, you can definitely run for office. I think you're more beautiful than Joe Schmo, but but you're right. We do hear from a lot of people who are interested in getting more involved. They have questions. They, they want to see Rhode Island get back on the right track. They, they have ideas and, and, um, they, 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 should definitely have a seat at the table or yeah. be able to contribute some of these solutions um, to the conversation. So and I look forward lastly, to that. Yeah. Um, ideas for getting Rhode Island on the right track. And mm-hmm. I think that starts with uh, less legislation and more freedom. Mm, that's good. Yeah. How about well, you? I, uh, I would also like to, I, I love politics. So I think it's going to be awesome to, to have these kind of conversations, but I also really want to talk about issues, um, related to the church mm-hmm. and the faith community, topics that are of concern to them. Um, I, I can't help but recognize how underappreciated the church seems to be when, um, w- when you just look at this past year and, and um, what happened with the pandemic. It really was something to see how churches really stepped up to help uh, people that had been struggling, mm-hmm. um, and beyond just the, uh, you know, the food and some of the physical resources that churches and, and uh, faith organizations have provided to people, there's the, uh, the mental health well-being that, that benefits people really, really special. So I'm looking forward to, to highlighting some of those things yeah. and talking about what, uh, faith organizations, churches are doing in the state how they're making a difference moving the needle i think that'll be uh you know there's important. an interesting pod and uh, not podcast i got podcast on the brain but um there was a poll um that was done that was shared with us on um the just happiness level of people during the pandemic mm-hmm. and how only one group of people actually saw an increase in happiness right why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about that yeah i mean what was Maybe not surprising because I think you and I know this as people of faith, as as um, devoted Christians, is that um, the number one, uh, not number one, but I guess the only, the only, as you mentioned, the only group of people to see happiness levels increase were people who did one thing, 
they went to church every week. Mm-hmm. That was it. They were the only the only group. Uh, wow, the only group. Yeah, it wasn't their their wealth. You know, it wasn't finances that determined their happiness. It wasn't whether or not they were married or single. And it wasn't if they were Democrat or Republican. The mm-hmm. only thing that really helped people last year was whether or not they went to church every week. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's because the church offers a lot more than people give give us credit for. I think uh, I know because I see it firsthand. The church is incredible at talking about heaven and and uh, matters of faith and spirituality and and such, but the church at it, at it also provides this incredible community where every week, at least in my church, we are able to gather and people bring faith and expectation and whether it's in our worship or in the preaching or in the prayer or talking in the lobby, there's great encouragement that comes as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, churches provide people with uh, faith, hope, and love. And every one of those are necessary. Every one of those are essential. Yeah. And I think because people are getting these things, they can't get them from the government. They can't get them just through marriage or through a job or a promotion, but uh, they're found in one place and, and that's the church. You know, I was, uh, during the pandemic as an introvert was like, oh yes, more time for reading, you know, right. um, more time for, for, uh, you know, quiet reflection or mm-hmm, whatever. And, mm-hmm. and I know you're an introvert as well. So, but as the pandemic went on, I realized mm. how important community is right. and the community that the church provides to the people there. Right. And, um, I think I had undervalued really the importance of connection with, right. with people. And I remember the first time that I ended up um, connecting with one of my girlfriends mm-hmm. and how, and even with people in church, when right. we went back to in-person service, for those of us who felt comfortable, um, just like, I felt like it was having a tall glass of water, you know, after being so thirsty for right. so long. Right. It was very refreshing. Mm-hmm. It really was. It was like, um, you know, I don't want to sound cheesy, but. It was good for the soul. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there would be times I would call people, you know, as uh, as we didn't see them, you know, able to rejoin our physical services and just call, check in on them. And many times just weeping. I miss my church so much. I miss the, miss the people. Mm. And then as people would slowly start to come back uh, to the weekly services uh, to see how the worship would affect them and how the preaching and being in community and being able to see their friends. Um, again, it, it, uh, it really, again, I think it all highlighted just how necessary the church is. Yeah. So that's just one example, but I feel like there's so many other things, um, that we could talk about when it comes to churches and how, how, uh, they, they remain significant members of, of our communities. So in addition to the church and religious issues, you know that I also love history, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to talking about Rhode Island, Rhode Island's history, and maybe some figures and people that we that we haven't heard of yet in in mainstream Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. You know, most Rhode Islanders know that Rhode that uh, Roger Williams founded our state, but they may not be aware of just how significant 
his um, his religious convictions played in the founding of the state. Yeah. And uh, how he was unlike many, many other people from his, his time. He really was a pioneer. And I think there's still something of Roger Williams on Rhode Island and in Rhode Islanders, that spirit of independence, that spirit of uh, trailblazing, trying new things. And uh, hopefully we, we still have that respect that Roger Williams championed, that respect for the individual and the individual's conscience and their convictions and following those convictions. Mm-hmm. Because I do feel like we're in a time where we're losing respect for what another person may believe and and want to practice or, or do. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, so we've reached the end of our podcast. And uh, one thing that we are going to try to do at the end of every episode is end with a closing thought, uh, closing remarks where we can maybe share a quotation, an anecdote, some story, mm-hmm. um, a last say, if you will. And like a good patriarch, I'm going to <laughs> Let my wife go first. Ladies go first. Ladies first. Open the door for me and pull out my chair. You've never complained. No, I hope you continue to do that. Um, So yeah, as luck would have it, at lunch today, my fortune cookie gave me this little pearl of wisdom. Moderation in temper is a virtue, but moderation in principle is a vice. I like that. I got to say that again. What was it? Moderation in temper is a virtue, but moderation in principle is a vice. I love that because I, I, I can see that in you. You are Aww. a very principled person, and uh, it, it certainly is one of your virtues. But you really are good at allowing people to disagree with you, and you don't take it personally. Especially working at the General Assembly, I'm sure there's a lot of different opinions, and you mm-hmm. never, um, you never make it personal. Yeah, and that says a lot about Thanks, you. Thanks, babe. Yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us uh, for our first podcast. We'll see you in the next one. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed these episodes, help us by sharing them with your friends and family. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. But let us know in the comments what you've enjoyed and what you'd like to see more of.